Today on episode number 76 of the Marketing Musician Podcast, which you can find at marketingmusician.com forward slash 76, we're going to get some marketing advice from Ice-T and Jamie Jaston. Now, I'm playing a clip from the Final Level Podcast, which you can find at Ice-T, finallevel.com. And I got to tell you right now, man, is this thing not work safe, but it's some really interesting ideas on how you can uh, grow your audience. It might seem like a lot to make it happen today, but give it all you got and you just might find your way. Just make the music and you can choose it. Tell the world just who you are. Marketing Maniacs, it is I, your smiling host, Jam and Dave Jackson, author of the book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement. You can find that out at Amazon.com, and uh, our website is MarketingMusician.com, and uh, a couple episodes ago, going all the way back to September, I did an episode where we talked about the 3% rule, that out of your audience, you can kind of bet on about 3% of them kind of purchasing or, or taking action. And so I did a couple things. I lowered the price of the book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement, the audio book. That's way down. We did have somebody buy that. And we had um, a handful of people. In the end, about, um, well, I'll put it this way, 0.9% of you did something. I, I said you can donate, you can buy the book, whatever you want to do, but if you're going to do it, now would be the time to do it. And I got 0.1%. Now, let's think about this, Dave. Uh, you just said you did this in September. Yep, that is true. And uh, when was the last episode out, Dave? Well, uh, that was somewhere back in October. So it's been two months since I've put out a, a show. And consequently, uh, think about this. How can you have, you know, your best friend you might talk to on a weekly basis, maybe on a daily basis, maybe multiple times a day. But building that relationship takes time. And if you want to have people, if you want to have influence with people, you've got to talk to them more than once or twice a quarter. And so it's it's nothing new here, that, uh, not something I knew. And I'm hoping in um, 2015, as I record this, we got about two more days of 2014. And uh, I'm hoping to, I'm going to be back in a band uh, I've been asked to be in a band that I think I'm actually going to get into. And so maybe I'll have more things to put into. But at this point, the Marketing Musician Podcast is a uh, it's a hobby for me now. I used to do this on a weekly basis. It's kind of sad because I remember when this thing used to have 2,000 downloads an episode, and now we're talking hundreds. And uh, it's my own fault. And so we're going to talk about this today. We're going to play a clip here from Ice-T. And, uh, of course, he is now out with the band Body Count. Let's play a little Body Count for you here. Uh, again, not work safe, not kid safe. Uh, the song is Talk Stuff, Get Shot. Here's a little clip of that. Talk shit! Talk shit! Get shot! Act hard, motherfucker! 
Okay, so you get the point there. And uh, on the the album, he does a duet with Jamie Jasta from Hatebreed. And uh, you can find Hatebreed at, oddly enough, you guessed it, hatebreed.com. And this is uh, Pop Bubble. I'm fed up with this shit, man. I'm going to say it. Ain't nobody going to say it. I'm going to say it. Okay, and uh, this is getting streamed off of, uh, uh, what is this called? Uh, Spotify. And I just love the, oh, he also does, um, it turns out he actually, most people credit Jay-Z with the song 99 Problems. Uh, that's actually a nice T song. But here's if you're having girl problems, I feel bad for your son. Got 99 problems and a bitch ain't one. Hit me. 99 problems and a bitch ain't one. If you're having girl problems, I feel bad for your son. Got 99. All right, so that's uh, that's Ice T. Find him at IceTFinalLevel.com. He actually gives the behind the scenes of how uh, Rick Rubin and Jay Z kind of took that song, and he he took his original version and um. Dre's version and kind of mixed him back up. But uh, here he's talking with uh, Jamie Jaster from Hatebreed about being on tour. And in this case, he could have gone out with to places. He went on a, a tour, for lack of a better phrase, with younger bands because Ice-T is getting up there, right, in terms of like he's not a 20-year-old kid anymore. And so just listen to this. I'm going to I'm going to play this and pause it and comment as we go along. Yeah. And like we're walking out there with a new album that had only been out like three weeks before the tour started. We're going to try to play those songs and our old shit, you know, and every day I would say, you know, how many people have seen us before? None. Yeah. How many people like us? And that's all the hands would go up. I'm like, that's why that's we're here. Yeah, that's why we're here. So you have to you have to to. to Farm those fans and work them. I mean, like we, like Mickey had never seen seen a uh, uh, hate breed. I ain't before. never seen hate breed. Yeah, but now you it, know. I seen it. Much <laughs> yours. Is that real? I love the way y'all took the picture. That now he's going to talk about this in a second. Great way to grow your audience. Great way to grow your Facebook. But number one, it's great to play those clubs that will have you, and to, to build that following locally. But. What he, what I kind of cut out because it, it took him a while to get to the point. He took less money to go on this tour because he wanted to grow, and he knew, yeah, I could make money, but in the end, in the long run of growing my my audience and getting a bigger foundation, he was going to go places, uh, and, and instead of maybe headlining some places, Ice T, he would be down a couple few rosters with uh, body count. So I thought that was really cool. He's like, no, I got to go where people haven't heard me if I'm going to grow my audience. Now they're talking about taking pictures from the stage. Yeah, with the crowd. I'm trying to steal that. Oh, and you know what? You know what? I got to do it. You know where we took that from? Be honest. We took that from Iron Maiden. Okay, so you did steal from somebody. Yeah, because listen to this. When Iron Maiden got on Facebook, they only had like whatever, two, three hundred thousand people. But when they started taking the pictures with the crowd and letting the people tag them in them, you got to like the page to tag your 
yourself in the photo. So you figure they're they're in you know Norway and they're right. playing fifty thousand people. They just got fifty thousand new likes on their page, so their page went viral. I'm sure they probably have, now they probably have fifteen million people right. on there easily. But that was like it created this huge demographic of people on Facebook. No, let me let fat. me ask I saw you. that that was fat. Yeah, so let me talk about that. I uh, back in when I was playing in a band regularly, one of the most successful bands I was in. I used to go, I always tell people, work harder. In my book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement, I talk about you almost work harder on break than you do if you're playing in a cover band, you're doing your three, four sets a night. On break, go out into the audience and talk to them because you don't want fans, you want friends. Friends will come to support you. And I would go out and I would take pictures and I would write down the names of the people like, hey, this is Ken and Sally and, and Dick and, and Susan. And they were out celebrating Susan's birthday. Happy birthday, Susan. And the next day, if not that night, when I would get home, I would post those pictures on the web because this, again, was kind of before. This is a while ago. You know, pictures on the web weren't that big of a deal. Websites weren't the, were, were kind of a big deal now. But you could easily say, hey you know, you're on our website now. And I remember once I had somebody come up and say, can you take a picture of me for your website? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, hold on. I got to put my glasses on. And I'm like, well, what, what's going on? He goes, oh, I just got new glasses. I want my sister in Florida to see them. So that tells you, you know, email was, oh man, when was this? Nineties at this point, probably 10 years ago, but people love to see themselves. If you don't believe me, uh, think about how many people take selfies every day. But it's an example where, again, you know, this is a great way to get people to tag themselves, to get involved in your community. Uh, I thought that was a good tip. So that's one strategy. Let's uh, continue on here. I ask you a couple quick questions that might be a little bit controversial. Just, 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 just because you are have been embedded in the metal scene and you know everybody and a mother the same way I know everybody in hip hop I've been in metal but I'm I'm still I don't I'm not in as depth you know I'm fortunate I know a lot of the big boys you know when we first got in when 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 like groups like Slayer and groups like Henry Rollins and all of them gave us the thumbs up we were like we're good yeah but I notice in the rock world it just doesn't seem to be as much I hate to say it, but as much petty bullshit as it is in hip hop, like people seem to be more cool with each other. Is is that is there are there bands that don't get along? And is any of you know what I'm talking about? How yeah. hip hop people hate each other yeah. and always be, I touring with this dude. I can't see. I didn't notice that in rock. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I tried to pitch a project called Rock Beef, the DVD, because the Beef DVDs were huge, mm -hmm. right? And this is at the time when. DVDs were still selling and Best Buy was right, carrying right, right, right. And it was hard to get off the ground. It was hard to get a script written. It was hard to make it happen because there wasn't enough Rock beef, beef. And people didn't want to talk about it on camera. Like, who are you going to talk to? You're going to say, okay, Nikki Six from Molly Crew, he hates Sully from Godsmack. Okay, maybe that's one segment. What are you going to do? Four minutes, five minutes on that. You got Slipknot at one point. They had a beef with Limp Bizkit, but that's squashed. It's old news. So it's like, now I think what's happened is everybody's grown up and they've gotten, a lot of guys are sober now. 
now. Right. And then they've yeah, gotten yeah, the partying and the crazy and, and the, yeah, they got the drugs ago. out of the system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when we, like when we, when we finally got on tour with say like a band like Corn, we did Europe with them and mm-hmm. we did it Australia. The partying days were over. We had heard like nightmare stories about them. Everybody's cool. They're sweet. So they're cool. The nicest guys uh, ever. I because them. I think it's just all out of their system. So you're not dealing with these rock star egos anymore. Like, I, and that's why I think maybe that there, there isn't any sort of rock beef anymore. If there was, I don't think it would lead to record sales like it did in hip hop. I think rock, I think rock motherfuckers is more like prove it on the stage. Yeah. And I just want to point out here the thing that they mentioned here. One of the things that's missing is all the drugs and alcohol. Um, it, generally, that leads to people acting in ways that are not uh, beneficial to their career. Um, let's continue on here. Yeah, I don't think they spend a lot of time talking about each other in the inter- on the press and all that bullshit that hip hoppers do. They talk a lot, but I think you know, rock motherfuckers is like, oh, nice meeting you. Just sat to watch my show, blah, and they just rip <laughs> the fucking show like you do, and, and then you go. Okay, wow. stay clear of them motherfuckers. <laughs> and then, they, then they're back at catering. Hey, how you doing? Okay, this is my kid and this, that, and the other. And then they go and they just, I like that though. You and I always tell people, you know, make friends with people who are basically your competition. Uh, because you never know when you're going to have to cancel a gig because the drummer's grandpa died or something and you need somebody to fill in quick. If you know somebody who sounds a little bit like you, same genre maybe, and you can go to a club owner and go, look, man, I'm really sorry I have to cancel this gig. We can't get a drummer, but I've got this band that can fill in for us and, you know, or whatever. Or if they call you and they say, hey, we had a band cancel. Can you fill it? And you're like, oh, man, we're already booked. But I know this other band. It's cool to know people about that. And people are like, well, aren't you afraid of that band stealing your gig? And this is what Ice-T is talking about. You know, if you bring a crowd, if you leave it all on the stage. Nobody's going to take that stage from you. As long as you're connecting with your audience, you're, you're building that relationship with your audience and you are entertaining. Then nobody can take that stage from you. Prove it on the playing field, man. Yeah. We don't talk about it. We prove it on the playing field. You think I'm, I suck. Come to my show, motherfucker and watch what I do. And, I, I like that. Yeah, no, there there's some competition elements in there. You don't hear about it because people don't want to talk about it publicly. Like I had an issue where a band, we found out they were um, the, someone in the band. Sabotaging. Or, yeah, they were they were they were lowering our volume. Sabotaging. Oh, and, um, and I actually it, it burned me for a long time, but now <laughs> I actually like look at it as a compliment. I'm going to pause it there. I had that once. I played in a country band, and the there was a DJ there. On during the week or on the weekends, but he got moved to during the week and they were having bands on the weekend and he basically lived in this bar and uh, he was the DJ there. He thought he was like the, you know, the man basically. And here comes these bands and we got a Friday, Saturday gig, which is awesome because you don't have to tear down. And Friday's gig was great. Saturday's gig, we go in and he completely tweaked our crossover and we just fired up the PA system. It was just this giant wall of feedback and uh, made us look really, really bad. And uh, we talked to the bartender and they're like, oh, yeah, well, I saw the DJ up there playing with stuff. And, uh, of course, he wasn't around during that show for us to uh, politely uh, knock some sense into him. But um, the bar owner saw through that 
and knew what happened, and that was the end of the DJ. So sabotage is never a good idea. Uh, you know, beat them on the stage. Beat them with your music. Beat them with your energy. Beat them with your entertaining thing. But uh, there's a Tales from the Road for you. Um, that was interesting. That country band was interesting. We, we filed a, uh, a male review once where, you know, male strippers. That's fun to follow because uh, no, nothing more fun than playing to a packed bar of really uh, women that were on fire, shall we say. And uh, the fact that the guys are all greased up and oily as we're, we're lugging our stuff on the stage, they're like, hey, nice to meet you. And I'm like, that's all right. I don't really want to shake your hand. I don't know where that's been. So that was interesting. A little, little uh, uh, trend, uh, uh, tangent here, a little tales from the road, but uh, of, of sabotage. We're worried about you. Um, yeah, and also they came and they cut down all the merch designs. They said, no, you're done. I said, oh, well, we're contracted for six or seven designs or whatever. Nope, you're selling two. You're selling one because we're just blowing out of merchandise. <laughs> so Notice that part of a contract now, he didn't say it, but he kind of pulled his cards back there. When you're playing places, one of the negotiable things is how many pieces of merch can you sell? I, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, and that's one thing we've been very blessed with, with Hatebreed is that even if you don't know of the band, you've seen the logo, you okay. know, the flames and, and the merchandise is, it keeps everybody living okay. it. Here's a, here's a question. It's very, might be taboo, but I'm going to ask it anyway, cause you're an OG. What, when we got out there, what's up with playback? All right. So tape, I, we just talked about this on my show, actually. Okay, so let's talk about and, this, because uh, I was unaware, right? Like, I'm like, you know, I'm out there, and I'm like watching all these guys playing. And what he's talking about here are people that play with tapes. Uh, I remember seeing this in the early 80s. I saw the band Warrant, which I'm completely dating myself now, uh, at a small club. They hadn't gone huge yet. And I remember that there are certain things that they did on their backup vocals that included reverse reverb, you know, instead of like, you know, like, like a drum in reverse is like, you can't do that live. And I remember hearing reverse echo on a backup vocal thinking you can't do that. That's, that's physically impossible. And uh, that's when it dawned on me. Oh, their, their background vocals are on a tape. And that's when I noticed where the drummer had a headset on and nobody else did. Nobody had, they had monitors and such, but he had a lot more technology because he was playing with a click track because on click number, you know, 415, the backup vocals come in. And I'm like, this shit is so dope. And we play live. Every fucking thing you hear is yeah, live. Yeah. But then I was noticing some people weren't. <laughs> yeah. I, How I, does that play in the rock world? How do they feel about that? That See, that's a great segment for I'm not a hater. But, <laughs> and so this is the thing. Like, I, I had Jim Florentine, who's a big fan of yours. He's a comedian. He hosted that metal show on mm -hmm. uh, VH1. And he, is, he said on my show, oh, I love the Body Count album. That's one of his top records of the year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we talked about on that episode how, you know, Motley Crue came on that metal show and, and Mick Mars said, I don't like that the backups are on tape. I mean, he's in the band and doesn't even have a choice mm. to because, you know, when you go out there and you see Motley Crue and you, you, you hear he's the one they call Dr. Feelgood, you know, that's a tape mm -hmm. playing that. And a lot of bands don't want their spot blown up. But I mean, it is hard 
day in and day out to hit the key, to hit the notes, especially with the backups. And you don't, you know, maybe you don't want to bring out backup singers. Maybe you don't have the budget to bring out extra players for but the Some extra of it's not backup. Some of it is the actual thickness of yes, the record. Yes, see, and that you're right about saying it's very taboo. Like, I've been told by high-powered managers and agents, like, hey, you know, don't don't embarrass these guys out in public or whatever. And I never would. No, I would I'm never not, say a name of a band. It's definitely commonplace, and a lot of people's favorite bands are using at least backing tracks. I asked a band called The Data Remember, who are huge right now. They're selling out, like, smaller arenas and big theaters, and he says, oh, I, I admit it. He's like, I'll, I'll tell you, like, we have some lower screams and some backup vocals that we have, you know, coming through the laptop, but everything else is real. And if you go watch them live, like they did You'll Reading and Leeds, like 80,000 people, he's hitting some clams You'll here and there. It. It's not it's not totally um, on key. And so, you know, his main vocal is real. And the guitar player, you can hear like little flubs here and there. So, you know, it is real. But there are some bands that do need a little boost with the backing tracks. Well, we pl- I remember I saw Striper. And they were doing like five and six part harmony with four guys on stage. And I went, yeah, the math doesn't add up on that. Play live and ice screams every goddamn night. Yeah. We got no backup tracks. We got nothing. <laughs> well, what- Voice wake, makes up, wakes up for the next day and do the same thing. It's unfair. That's like, that's like R&B music. It, it is kind of unfair in a way. That's where, R&B. Where, that's not you know, rock. That's not at, fair. Well, look at like a band like Nirvana. They would have never run tape. They would have never run tracks. Even, I even- think, I think, now my point I think is certain rock, like if you're like industrial stuff, like, mm-hmm. Like we went out early with uh, tr- with uh, nine inch nails and stuff like that, and that's a lot of electronic shit, you know. So it has a different type of a feel than necessarily metal and stuff. So and sometimes that stuff it gets kind of ding 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 ding. But I mean, I'm not. Hey, I just wanted to ask his opinion. I don't know whether it's fair or not. I, I'm not. I don't know whether it's okay. But you know, I when I go to see a rock band. That's part of the stigma. It's like enjoying to see that's a real guitar playing. That's a real drummer. That guy is really that good. He sounds that good and stuff. And, and I'm not even so much as the vocals. I'm talking about the actual groove. Like the, yeah. You know? Yeah, the band, and, and like the instruments. We, we were on the stage every night right after we played. We go watch Cannibal Corpse. And oh, they, they rip it. They rip that shit and every night. George is all there all yeah. day doing and him. They locked no, in. Back. No and piss shifter. Nothing in the back. That's it's really all, his. It's all guitar and drums and vocals. And no yeah. pedals. Yeah. It's really that, <laughs> his voice it's is really that guttural. Yeah. All, you and guys, he wakes up the next day and does it again. You yeah. gotta see this Hendrix experience. There's a guitar player. I think his name's Eric Gales. Mm-hmm. The kid is. I mean, he's probably not a kid. I mean, he's probably. I don't know. Maybe right. he's in his mid thirties. But he the singing good. Hendrix and and there was no laptops on he's the stage. Good. Amazing. Everybody who comes out and plays. Zach Wild came out and played. But everybody who came out and played that night. I really it it really struck a chord with me because you're seeing the actual playing. You're witnessing the talent and you're. You're absorbing the energy there live. There's no laptops. There's no fakery. It's all real. And so you never know, like, when you're going to get another opportunity to see someone do their craft at 110% like that a couple feet from you or whatever in the same room. It was was incredible. Now, notice what's going on there. Word of mouth by doing it live in front of you. And uh, that is something that... You know, I, I understand there if you're a one man band and you're going to play with a backing track, I think that's a little different because 
I think some people try to fool the audience that, you know, this is really how we sound. I remember I saw a, uh, an acapella group and they said something from the stage and you get into these blurry, uh, areas where you, they said from the stage, everything you're hearing came from a mouth because there was a guy that would like do the whole kind of drum noises. And the one guy was doing the bass thing. And that was true, but they wanted you to believe that everything you were hearing when they said that people were like, wow, that's really cool. I can't believe that much sound is coming from these four or five people on the stage. And then I'm like, wait a minute, because one of the sound, they just all of a sudden sound started coming up and I'm like, not enough people on stage to make that many noises. And I went back to the the back and I saw where they had this big elaborate sound system with all these tracks. And I go, are they playing with backing tracks? And they're like, no, everything you hear is, is from them. I go, I understand that, right? That's their line. Everything you hear is coming from them, right? But how much of them, like there's four people on stage, let's say it was that. Are there another four people back here? that were pre-recorded, so there's really eight people making the noises. To me, it just seemed kind of slimy that they're kind of trying to pull one over. And that's, I think, to me, where you can lose your integrity. So speaking of integrity, since uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Josta, Jamie, said uh, Eric Gales, I'm going to go find some real quick. All right, so Eric does have his own stuff. Uh, let's, let's play a little bit of that. He starts off with, uh, you know, the, the ooh-ah-ooh-ah music here. But uh, you can find him over at Eric Gales. Eric is E-R-I-C, galesband.com. Let's listen to Eric do a little Hendrix. He does play left-handed strat upside down. Obvious Hendrix. Uh to um, this out again at marketingmusician.com slash 77. I can't remember what I said at the beginning. It's marketingmusician.com slash 77 will get you there. And I can see here that uh, Eric is on MCA Records and Geffen Records and also on the front of his uh, website you'll see where he's now offering Skype guitar lessons which, uh, again, do whatever you can to uh, pay the bills. So I thought that was pretty uh, interesting that here he is, this really cool guy, and um, he's offering Skype lessons. So that's a cool way to get to know your audience again as well. So really interesting. Again, Eric Gates. What did I say? Ga- it's Gales. 
wow, there's an example of his logo on the front of his album makes it look like it's uh, Eric Gates. Make sure your logo is easy to read. Holy cow. I was like, what the heck is uh, is that? But, uh, hey, it, it is the end of uh, the year here. And uh want to thank you for being a listener to the uh, Marketing Musician Podcast. Don't forget, if you want to uh, go out to our website, we've got a link there to Amazon. Anything you buy through that helps support the show. You can uh, buy my book. You can donate. You can subscribe. You can rate and review. Here's some things you can do that are free. You can rate and review the show on iTunes. Just go to marketingmusician.com slash iTunes. Uh, anything there on the right-hand side of the screen, you can go out to marketingmusician.com. Uh, you can uh, do those, and those usually don't cost you a dime, and uh, it's a way to support the show. We'll leave this with a, uh, a little quote here from Barb. She says, Dave, you got some really good ideas there on ways to ramp up your band's show. I tell, you, I tell my bands all the time to video themselves and then watch at least three times. The first time through, you're going to say, that was pretty good. The second time through, you're going to go, mm, maybe that wasn't so good. And the third time through... You're going to be really critical and say, we should not do that again. So, yeah, great tip there from uh, Barb Dye over at coloradomusic.org. And that was on the uh, show, What is Your Band's Personality? And, again, you can find that out at marketingmusician.com. But take some time this week as we get ready to go into the, the new year. Look at where you played. Look at what you did. Find out what worked. Find out what didn't work because... You can't manage what you're not tracking. And so go back and look at your notes, look at where you played, look at what you made, things like that, and uh, and tweak it because 2015 is right around the corner. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And um, let me remind you that for those who have money, there is therapy. For the rest of us, though, there is music. Hallelujah. Stay cool, everybody. Have a safe And Happy New Year. We'll see you again real soon with another episode of the Marketing Musician Podcast.